bekommen. Recording in progress. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Vavel Formula One podcast. Today, we're here to talk about the dramatic, mainly ending to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We've got a bit of news to talk about from the last two weeks, and then we're looking ahead to this week's exciting, thrilling French Grand Prix, which, as you can see by the looks on our faces, we are all really, really looking forward to. Um, So, yeah, let's get straight into it. Uh, I've got Callum McAvoy and Callum O with me. Joshua uh, can't be with us um, today, not a problem. Uh, We've got the three of us here to talk everything Formula One. Um, We'll look ahead um, to the uh, French Grand Prix a little bit later, but first, let's take a look back at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and the predictions that we made. Um, I distinctly remember saying that this was going to be a fantastic start to the episode because we'd all made such different predictions. Um, But it turns out they were very different, Callum McAvoy, and they were all very terrible. Yeah, not great. Um, The one week I do not put Sergio Perez to win, he only goes and wins it. So I'm officially cursed now. So you can dismiss all my predictions from now until the end of time. Um, Yeah, I had Lando Norris to win, which was was pretty bold, I admit. But uh, not not without, you know, not without good cause. You know, he's scored points in every Grand Prix this season. But uh, yeah, no, not a good week for for us. Mm. And uh, Callum Owen, a particularly um, bad week for you. You predicted Valtteri Bottas to finish, uh, well, to start the race on pole, which he didn't. I can't remember where he started, but it was somewhere rubbish. Um, and then you also predicted him to, to convert that pole into a win. Uh, he then went and finished 12th. So just, you know, he just summed up a really bad weekend for Mercedes in general, didn't he? Yeah, I said he'd start on pole and he started 10th and somehow fell even further back. Yeah, it was poor from him. He, he's he got good form at Baku, and I just thought, maybe this is where he, he kick-started his season. It's when he stakes his claim to stay at Mercedes for 2022. Obviously, all the George Russell rumours. But instead, he did the, act, the exact opposite and showed why he shouldn't be in that seat next year. And uh, Callum, um, you should be quite proud of yourself because I'm looking at our predictions. We're the, you were the only person to predict somebody um, on the podium that actually finished on the podium. I had Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. None of them did. Um, Callum had Bottas, Hamilton, Verstappen. None of them finished. And then Verstappen had uh, Verstappen. Joshua uh, had Verstappen, Hamilton and Leclerc. None of them finished on the podium. But you had Perez in second. He finished on the podium. How delighted were you to finally see, you know, you've been hyping him up all season and, and how delighted were you to finally see him actually you know, get that first race win for Red Bull? Oh, I, I think everyone was hugely delighted. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Sergio Perez, to be perfectly honest. You know, I did say, I think, I thought something with, uh, something would happen with the Stappen and Hamilton. I didn't quite think it would be what did happen. But uh, I thought that if something does happen, Perez will be the person to take advantage. And that's what he did. You know, he got himself into second place early on. Uh, kept good pace with Verstappen and then just took advantage of all the craziness that happened at the end. And that's what the best drivers do, just stay calm under pressure. And yeah, uh, absolutely delighted for him. Hmm. Um, and uh, further down the kind of Red Bull ranks, uh, Yuki Tsunoda at AlphaTauri, I predicted him to, um, I said I'd, I said he'd be back on it. I didn't really say what that meant, but I think finishing seventh was, was okay for him. Um, obviously a couple of finishes outside the points recently so it's good to see him um, back on form Calamo you had another shocker here Uh, you predicted um, Esteban Ocon in your wild prediction to finish ahead of both of the Ferraris Um, Esteban Ocon retired very early on in the race I think Um, talk to us about about what happened there obviously not really in yours or Esteban Ocon's control that retirement by the sound of it 
Oh, I, I knew my prediction was going to be wrong when Charles Leclerc put it on pole and Ocon had been knocked out in Q2. That's when, that's when I realised I might have missed missed out on this one. But the retirement was, yeah, it was unlucky. It was, I think it was just mechanical, so nothing he could do about it. Um, I think Ferrari looked looked strong. I feel like they they punched above their weight in qualifying and then fall back in the race, but still fourth for Charles Leclerc is a really strong result. Um, Callum M, do you think this is maybe a sign of things to come for Ferrari and that they maybe could challenge for that third place constructor spot considering the fact that they are doing well in qualifying and, and do you think this is going to be something that we're going to see in the future where they, they qualify well and drop back or do you think Leclerc just had the, the usual Baku kind of pole position curse where whoever starts on pole never really finishes you know finishes first in, in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? Yeah, it's a crazy stat, that isn't it? That we've had, I think, five mm-hmm. different pole sitters and five different winners. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it's it's interesting to see Ferrari do well, especially in Azerbaijan and in Monaco on the street circuits. Whether they can continue that when we get to the, the normal circuits, if you like. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's not a bad strategy to have do well in qualifying and then just if you drop back a bit in the race. But uh, yeah, it's definitely between them and McLaren for third and the constructors, and I. If I had to call it now, I'd probably say Ferrari would finish third, just because they seem to be a bit more consistent. And obviously, again, Ricardo is struggling in the McLaren a little bit. But uh, you know, they're looking good for Ferrari. Good to see them actually doing well uh, after a, a torrid year last year. And Calamo, um, Callum just mentioned um, Ricardo there. Uh, Joshua predicted Ricardo to outscore Norris. Um, this time around and, and, and he didn't again. Um, do you think we're going to see this for the rest of the season from Ricardo? Do you think he's ever going to, you know, settle into McLaren or do you think he is now going to be using this season? Right, let's, let me find my feet at McLaren and, and we'll go again when the regs change next year. How, how do you think Ricardo is going to do for, for the rest of this season? I think Daniel Ricardo is one of the top F1 drivers and I do think it's just a matter of time until he finds, finds like the sweet spot in that car. I think Monaco and Baku street circuits require a lot of confidence that Ricardo doesn't have in that car. I think going back to France and Austria tracks, you know, as well, um, tracks that give you a little bit of runoff where you can push the limits and go over them. I think he'll rebound. Whether whether he'll be on the same level as Norris, I don't know, but we could see him back in a position that you'd expect that car to be. Hmm. I think you're spot on actually there looking at the schedule coming up you know we've, we've had you know some tough street circuits in the last few weeks and obviously France is a track that's not particularly difficult or you can you know run off into the miles of annoying blue striped tarmac um, if, if you make a mistake and you've also got Austria you know a double header that everybody knows well uh, and then Silverstone Hungary after that you know tracks that the drivers go to we go to in Formula 1 every single year pretty much um, so hopefully um, for Ricardo's sake that he, he does you know, like you say, find that sweet spot um, in the car. Um, we can't ignore it. We obviously had a uh, two very, very serious-looking incidents, two um, tyre blowouts. We had uh, Lance Stroll, first of all, um, on the main straight, or, or as he was just coming onto the main straight. It looked like he was actually heading towards the pit lane. Um, and then we obviously had Max Verstappen losing the race lead um, very, very late on, and, and that caused a red flag. Um, Callum M, what was your kind of initial reaction to seeing those those tyre blowouts? Uh, well, I was just amazed that um, the drivers got away from it unscathed. Um, I, especially with the the Stappen one, obviously there's been a lot of talk if he had gone to the other side of the wall 
uh, he could have been in some serious danger there. But uh, even with a stroll one, because he was like at one of the curves on the straights, so and that could have gone very badly wrong. But um, mm. it, it's been a while, really, since we've seen kind of Pirelli mess up with the tyres in, in this way. I think everyone kind of remembers uh, Silverstone back in 2013, where like five or six cars had tyre blowouts during the race. I know they got under a lot of criticism for that. So it's been a while since we've had you know, Pirelli coming under fire. But um, these kind of things shouldn't happen in Formula One uh, at all, because it just puts everyone at, at risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Stroll one, the marshals were right behind. The marshal post was pretty much where Stroll crashed. And, and you know, that, that you saw them jump back. I also noticed he'd crashed under um, a load of trees that were above him as well. And debris could have flown into the trees, maybe. You know, that carbon fibre is sharp. It could have cut something off a tree or, you know, causing even more danger to the marshals there who don't seem as protect, protected in Azerbaijan as they do in Monaco with, you know, full helmets and everything like that on. Um do you think this is going to be a one-off, Calamo? Do you think because the, you know, Pirelli kind of blamed the conditions of the street circuit, you know, the dust and all that kind of stuff? You think this is going to be a one-off, or do you think Pirelli are going to, you know, take a bit of a long, hard look at themselves and, and think, you know, this can't happen again? I mean, I'd I'd love to say it'd be just a one-off, but I feel like we've seen it quite a lot with Pirelli, where they get a bit too ambitious in the tyres, and we have failures. It happened at Silverstone last year, and it's happened in years gone by. I think I'd like to think they'll get more, maybe more cautious um, following these two instances. Because no matter if, um, no matter if they can put out a statement and go, well, it's not our fault. If the wider F1 community has no one else to blame but Pirelli, they will blame Pirelli. And mm. whether it was their fault or not, they will have to improve. And then Callum M, the the final kind of thing I want to ask you about on this is uh, we've we've criticised some of the new features that Formula One have put in to to enhance, you know, the the viewing for those at home watching. Um, And we obviously heard the FIA uh, radio, I think, for the third time or the second time, um, where we had Max Verstappen's engineer, you know, requesting, you know, red flag, let's change the tyres and and maybe not even restarting the race. Um, Just another example of that and, and that working well. And that's where we want to see that kind of feature, isn't it? Oh, this has been one of the, the best things to come out of this season. I think we can all agree. Um, actually, uh, put you know hearing the FIA talk to the teams, uh, it just it just cla- it just clears things up for the uh, for the viewers. I think it's very insightful as well to see how these conversations play out. Um, you know, it's a bit like you know when you when you're watching a football game, you see the managers talking to the fourth official, and you always wonder, oh, what are they actually saying? You know, what you know, what mm. how do these conversations exactly go down? And it's kind of a bit like that. So now, I'm really glad they brought this in. Uh, really, really helpful for all of us. I definitely think you compared it to football. There, I think the reason we don't get that in football is because if if we heard what they were saying. Um, I don't think anybody under the age of maybe 16 would be allowed to watch football. Um, whereas in Formula One, you know that, that there's a lot more respect and, and that kind of thing. And we obviously don't really, you know, have big like official decisions apart from kind of like, you know, track limits and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely interesting. Um, the statement that Pirelli put out, it's a long one, so I'm not going to read all of it. Um, but Pirelli said an investigation found that the tyres, and I quote, suffered a... Um, circumferential I hope I've said that right break on the inner sidewall uh, and said it was related to the running conditions of the tyre and um, this was despite the teams in question following the prescribed starting parameters for the tyres Pirelli said 
Pirelli also added uh, the process established that there was no production or quality defect of any of the tyres, nor was there any sign of fatigue or I'm not even going to try and say that word because I don't know what it says. Um, and Pirelli and the FIA have subsequently agreed that a new set of protocols uh, for the tyres uh, will be brought in ahead of this weekend's French Grand Prix. So hopefully um, no more tyre flats. But after the restart, we got a little bit of entertainment, although it was about three laps or two laps of entertainment. Um, and the first thing that I want to talk about is Lewis Hamilton. And it's really, really a shame that Joshua isn't here because he's told us how much of a Hamilton fan he is. Um, and it was quite funny to see him run off into the... Uh, into the runoff area, into turn one after, you know, a pretty decent start. But then, well, he's telling us, Callum, that he flicked a switch and basically turned his brakes off. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think just a, a very rare Lewis Hamilton mistake? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't often make a mistake. So to see him make a mistake is shocking. I just, I think what he said is, as he moved over when fighting Perez into turn one, he knocked the switch and that was it. I think... Mistakes like that could well define this season because with Verstappen out and Hamilton trailing in the championship, Hamilton was going to lead into turn one and to lead into turn one to take the lead and get 25 points. That'd be a 21-point gap on Verstappen, which is a, it's a massive gap when the title fight is this close. So he could look back come the end of the season if he doesn't win the world title and think about days like that when he let it slip through his fingers. And, uh, and Callum M, we've always talked about, or well, we haven't, but Lewis Hamilton has always talked about how strong he is mentally and how focused and how important it is to, to stay focused mentally. Um, do you think maybe that's starting to just slip a little bit in the pressure of this championship charge? Uh, uh, might, might be getting to him a little bit. Obviously, he's not really had a, a challenger like Verstappen for, for quite a few years now. So do you think maybe the pressure's just might be getting to him a little bit. We might be seeing these these little mistakes coming in a little bit more often than, than we're used to for Hamilton. Yeah, it was very unusual uh, to see him make the mistake, uh, especially after he had literally been on the radio five minutes before saying, guys, don't worry, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, clearly hinting that if he couldn't get past Perez, he was just going to settle for second and take 18 points, which, which still would have been very valuable in a title race. And then yeah, for it all to go wrong so quickly like that, um, yeah, I, I can see a lot more mistakes coming from the, the Hamilton camp um, going forward. You know, I think, yeah, the pressure is getting to, getting to him a little bit. Um, I don't think he expected to be in the situation that he was. I think he was just happy to take second. And then Perez kind of got a bad start and he found himself alongside. It's like, oh, I could actually go for this. Then. And then obviously, as, uh, as Callum said, he hit the wrong button on his uh, steering wheel and it all went wrong. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see more mistakes coming this season. And Calamo, I think the best part about that, um, that break failure, should we say, um, was the way that Channel 4 uh, commentated on it. We had Alex Jakes, um, Mark Webber and Billy Munger. I don't know if you saw them all crowded around the screen. Uh, Alex Jakes was kind of like right in front of the screen and then he just like leapt up as, as Hamilton went off. And then we obviously had the... Uh, Mark Webber just seemed to let out some kind of very weird shrieking noise as, uh, as it happened. Um, it, it was kind of great to see that passion in, in the commentary box and, and quite a funny moment as well on, on what was a, a very bad moment for Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, watch, I watch on Sky, so obviously I don't, I don't get the Channel 4 coverage, but I saw it, I've seen it on Twitter and stuff since. And <laughs> I mean, I was, watching, I was watching a room full of people and... It was the same sort of reaction. It was so shocking to see Hamilton go on. Just the difference is Mark Webber had a microphone on him. I didn't. 
fair enough. Um, and then the, the the last thing we saw at the end of the race was that um, Gasly on Leclerc move. Um, great to see Pierre Gasly getting himself on the podium. I, I, I really rate him as a driver and, and it's great to see him get on the podium. And um, nice to see that little battle as well, wasn't it, uh, Callum? Mm, yeah, I mean, I think there's no doubt that Pierre Gasly is a top driver now. It's always been debated. You know, is it is it just is he just lucky or is it just the Alpha Tari he's really comfortable in? But I think now, you know, I think we can all say he is a top top driver. Great battle with Leclerc, fully deserved the podium. And uh, I'm very curious to see where his future lies now, um, because I don't think it's with Red Bull. I've said it before on this podcast. Why would he go to to Red Bull to uh, drive alongside uh, the Stappen? Um, I want, I'm curious to know what you two think about this. I could see Gasly going to Mercedes for next year to replace Bottas. Uh, I know a lot of people say George Russell, but I don't know. I think Gasly would, would fit Mercedes quite nicely. I don't know what you two think. but um, Well, I mean, yeah. Um, I don't think he'd go ahead in, um, I don't think he'd go there ahead of Russell. I think their first choice would be Russell just because he's uh, part of their academy, but I've seen it. I've heard, I've heard the rumours about it before that what happens when Hamilton goes and if he goes year after next and Ocon's tied up at Alpine, I think Gasly could well be in the running for the Mercedes seat and he absolutely deserves it. I think he's that good that he does deserve a top, top seat. Hmm. I think I agree. I think because Hamilton's not going to be around for you know that much longer. Let's face that. And I think the other thing is Fernando Alonso is not going to be at Alpine for that much longer either. He's probably only going to be here for maybe three, four years max, five years maximum maybe. Um, and I think if, if I think Gasly would be more likely to go into Alpine, I think if, I know they're not a championship winning team. And I think if, if Mercedes came calling, then, you know, he'd definitely go there. But I think he would, he would slot into that Alpine team well. I think Ocon there as well, you know, signing that three-year contract. Ocon, Gasly, a French team. It, it just seems kind of perfect for him. But Mercedes, I think, I think would be a, a very good fit indeed. Um, would you take then, Callum, would you take, if, if Bottas goes at the end of the season, Callum M, this is, your Toto Wolf, do you take George Russell or do you take um, Pierre Gasly? Forget the fact that Russell is part of your academy. Who, who, who are you taking? Oh, that's a horrible question. Um... Yeah, I, yeah, I would probably, I'd probably pick Russell still. Maybe that's British bias coming into it. Um, I don't know. I think I, it's. I think I think Russell's got the most like untapped potential at the moment. Obviously, you know, we've seen we saw what he could do in that Mercedes in uh, Bahrain last year when he stepped in. So whereas we've seen what we've already seen, Gazi's already had a taste. Uh, with the with the Red Bull and didn't do so well. Obviously, he's in, improved a lot since then. But just because just because the untapped potential, I'd probably take Russell, uh, so he can learn alongside uh, Hamilton. And, and Calamo, the same question to you. Um, and and on top of that, do you think because Gasly didn't do so well at Red Bull, do you think if he went to Mercedes that we would see the same? We would see a, a Red Bull Pierre Gasly again, or do you think that he'd be able to? To overcome that pressure and, and be able to form in, perform in that Mercedes car better than he did in the Red Bull one. Um, so no, I'd still choose George Russell over Pierre Gasly for that seat. I just think George Russell needs to be in a car that isn't completely at the back of the grid. 
and I, I don't know, he's that good that I do genuinely see him being world champion. As for Gasly struggling in a Red Bull, I don't think that means he's struggling in a Mercedes. I think the Red Bull move came came too soon in his career and he was put up in a tough car against Max Verstappen. It was like a recipe for disaster. He was just never... He could be as good as he wanted. It was always going to be stacked against him and he just fell victim to all of those circumstances. So if you put him in a top team again, I think he would strive. I think he's... He's improved now, he's more experienced and he's he's just a better all-round driver. So I think now if you put him in a Mercedes or a Red Bull or a top, just a top car, he'd kick on. Mm. I think uh, I think that the Ferrari seat is probably pretty closed off to him. So I think it would have to either be Red Bull or, or Mercedes. Why would he want to go to Red Bull, as, as Callum M was saying? So Mercedes seems like the perfect fit. And I think I could, it makes sense in my head to see, you know, Hamilton and Gasly as teammates. He could learn a hell of a lot off Hamilton as well. Um, so, so an interesting debate there. Um, the other thing I want to move on to, because we haven't talked about it yet, and I don't know how we're this far into the episode and not talked about the fact, Callum M, that Sebastian Vettel is on the podium. He scored points in Monaco, decent points in Monaco, and now he's got himself on the podium. Um, are you still saying that he's a rubbish driver? Well, not rubbish. He's okay. No, I, no fair play. <laughs> did, did really well. Um, I am cautiously optimistic for him and Aston Martin because they did very well here and they did very well in Monaco. And I wonder if it's a, a street circuit thing. Maybe they're stronger on the street circuits. I think uh, Paul Ricard would be a good test to see uh, how much pace they actually do have. But no, incredible drive and stroll prior to his retirement was also doing really well. So yeah, no, fair play. Uh, you know, well, well done to, to Vettel. I'm, I'm glad you've not gloated for 40 minutes, which is what I thought you were going to do, Matt. Uh, no, I, I'm delighted for I think everyone was. Um, yeah, curious, again, cautiously optimistic, but uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how well he does for the rest of the season. He's on his way back. He might not be world champion, but, you know, another few podiums this season and, and I'll be very happy for him. Um, the other thing that's just popped into my mind is I remember um, this week Joshua uh, in our group chat put in a, um, a rumour uh, that Mercedes are planning on announcing George Russell uh, to replace Bottas at the British Grand Prix. Um, Calamo, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on whether you think that would happen or not. I mean, I, I think it'd be very un-Mercedes to disrupt their season by announcing George Russell. Because I think I think if you do that, you risk losing Valtteri Bottas completely. I think he just... He, he would hinder them more than he would help them. We already saw in Spain, when his seat's in doubt, him not being over the moon about team orders and fighting back with Hamilton. If you drop him mid-season or tell him he's being dropped mid-season... That he's got no impetus to fight for the team anymore. He will get, he'll get into those situations with Hamilton, and he'll fight. He'll fight those situations. Can I see it happening though? I can, just because I think announcing George Russell, who's been linked with the Mercedes seat for a long time, a lot of people want him in that seat. By announcing the British driver to race for the top team at Silverstone would be massive. And Callum, I just wanted to get um, your thoughts on that as well. You know. It would be, like Callum just said, very unlike Mercedes to do that kind of thing at the British Grand Prix. But, but do you think it could happen? What do you, what do you reckon? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, I, I know it, it makes sense to do it at the British Grand Prix, of course. But uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll have an announcement sometime in like September 
because uh, you usually have the summer break and then silly season, as it's called, starts where all the, the, the transfer rumours, if you like, uh, come into play. And then I think there'll be some announcement there. But um, I think when Mercedes are in the middle of a, a very tight constructors battle with Red Bull, the last thing you want to do is unnerve one of your drivers. So I think they'll wait until things have calmed down a little bit before uh, any announcement is made. I personally think that they could leave it until as late as the end of the season and maybe agree it in-house, but maybe not make it public because of the effect that that could have on Bottas. And don't forget, Mercedes, like you two have both mentioned, are also going for a constructor's title as well here. They're going to need all of Bottas's points as well as Hamilton's because we know that Verstappen and Perez are also going to score solid points, you would hope and think, um, throughout the rest of the season. Um, moving on then. To finish off, we're going to have a look ahead to the French Grand Prix this weekend. Some sad news um, has come out from the Mercedes camp ahead of that. Uh, it's that Romain Grosjean was um, expected to, I guess, take the Mercedes title-winning car out on a parade around the circuit, I guess, or like a kind of exhibition drive. Unfortunately, that's been postponed um, due to COVID, quarantine, travel restrictions, something along those kind of lines. We know what kind of world we live in, um, so you can imagine... Uh, what that's like. Um, so yeah, no Roman Grosjean in a Mercedes. Um, so uh, Mercedes have said that they're working um, to do everything they can to try and get uh, Roman that drive at some point. Um, looking like it's not going to be this weekend, though. Um, definitely not going to be this weekend in France, which is disappointing. Um, obviously, we touched on earlier that Esteban Ocon has signed a three-year deal with Alpine, the Frenchman, um, announcing that ahead of his home French Grand Prix, which I think was very fitting uh, for a French team as well. Um, so let's get straight into um, what we think, first of all, of the French Grand Prix as a whole, before we get to our predictions. Um, Calamo, your um, your thoughts and feelings on Paul Ricard as a circuit, please. Oh, and they word, boring. <laughs> it's, 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 it's That's it, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just, it's just a just really boring race. That's kind of it. Mm. Um, Callum, for me, I think the main problem is, I think the runoff areas, you know, I, I mentioned the, the annoying blue striped tarmac, you know, you make a mistake here and, and you're not punished for it, are you? The biggest problem with all the modern F1 tracks, I think, that aren't street circuits, and even some of the ones that are, like, if you make a mistake at one of the older circuits like Spa or Silverstone, like you're punished for it. You're in the runoff, you're in the barriers, whatever. These modern circuits, nah, just, just you know, if you make a mistake, it's okay. You've got several miles of runoff to correct yourself and put yourself back on track. It's like, there's no challenge. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's, it is a main problem. Um, also, you know, those, as much as I think the idea of these really colourful runoff areas is cool, it really does hurt my eyes to look at it from above. So, uh, yeah, so not only are you being bored to death, you're also being blinded in the process as well. So it's lose-lose, uh, really. Um, I also, uh, I've, I've mentioned the F1 game a couple of times um, on the podcast, um, and I know that the F1 game is not realistic. It is a, it is a game. Um, but the, the Paul Ricard curbs always seem to be really flat as well, and kind of they've just, they've just kind of like painted some red and white kind of lines into the corners, which, again, makes it a little bit more easier if you hit the curb nothing's really going to happen to you. Um, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. We're going to see that this weekend. But again, another reason why the track just seems pretty rubbish. Um, let's move on then to our predictions. Um, this is the first of a triple header. So uh, lots of uh, stuff for us to do over the next three weeks. It's going to be very busy. We've obviously got France and then the two Austrian Grand Prix um, afterwards. Um, but we're looking at France first. Um, it's hard to come up with a wild prediction, isn't it, Callum Owen? Um, have you got one for us? 
yeah, there's no sort of reason behind it, but well, I mean, there's a slight reason. 2018, first lap was very hectic. There was uh, Vettel hitting Bottas uh, and Ocon and Gasly tangling. So I'm going to go with a first lap incident that retires two or more cars. Sounds good. Something that you, you know you could definitely see happening down into turn one or, or um, maybe on the straight into that um, into the little kind of chicane at the end of the long straight. I've no idea what corner it is. Sorry, um, Caleb. Any uh, wild predictions from you? Uh, yeah, very wild. So wild it definitely won't happen. Uh, I predict that there'll be a really boring Grand Prix, and then as soon as it's finished, the Formula One heads of Formula One will announce that they will never return to Paul Ricard. And uh, we'll, <laughs> and uh, Maggie Cause or somewhere else is going to host the French Grand Prix in the future. Uh, I really this I really could not think of like, any on track thing that would happen uh, to make this uh, to, for a, something wild to happen on track. It's going to be a boring Grand Prix. Um, unless you've been living under a rock recently, um, or, or you hate football, you'll probably realise that the uh, Euro 2020 is being played at the moment, and I'm sure there are games scheduled for Sunday at two o'clock. So, Callum M, is, what, what's going to take priority for you? Is it going to be, are you going to have the Euros on the TV and the F1 on the iPad, or is it just going to be Euros, F1 later? What's, what's your priority going to be, considering we're in France? Uh, I'll probably still watch it, to be perfectly, the, the Grand Prix, to be perfectly honest. I'm a sucker for F1, so there you go. Uh, although, who knows, I might still be hungover from watching England-Scotland on Friday night. So, uh, <laughs> unlikely, but you never know. Uh, yeah. At least we might get some entertainment this weekend. Uh, Calamo, what about you? What's taken your priority at the weekend? Um, I don't actually know who's playing. But um, if, if it was England, then England would take priority. Seeing as if it's not, the F1 will be on. But I can't guarantee it stays on the TV. Might get demoted to the iPad. Maybe a little bit of flicking between the two channels. You never know. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah, it's probably, I don't know, it'll probably be the Grand Prix. I'm trying to find um, what game is on Sunday, but I can't. Um, what is it, Sunday? Sunday the 20th. Uh, you've got, uh, uh, no, both the games at six o'clock. So you've got to watch the Grand Prix. So that was a oh, completely stupid no. question in the first place. So <laughs> you, you can't get away from it. You have to watch the Grand Prix um, because both the games on Sunday, Italy v Wales and Switzerland Turkey are both at six o'clock. Um, I probably should have looked at that for asking that question, shouldn't I? Um, I now look really stupid. Um, anyway, my wild prediction um, is I've gone for Lando Norris. Uh, Callum mentioned earlier that he scored points every race uh, this weekend. I'm going to go for him to have a... I've said a poor weekend. I don't think he'll score points, um, which I think is a poor weekend for him. So um, that's kind of all I could think of. I couldn't really think of anything else happening, to be honest. Um, let's go to the podium then. Um, I've gone, I've reverted back to type. Um, Bottas isn't there. I've gone for your man, Callum. I've gone for Perez in third, Hamilton second, and a Max Verstappen uh, win. What are you thinking, uh, Callum, for your podium for this weekend? Uh, super boring. Uh, Hamilton, Verstappen, Perez. Nice and easy. And uh, yeah. Callum O? I'm agreeing with Callum. Hamilton to rebound, find some form, and then um, Verstappen and Perez. Good stuff. That was probably the quickest predictions we've probably ever done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, nice and easy. Maybe Sebastian Vettel will win the race this time and, and go one better. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, um, I think it would also be nice to see. I'd quite like to see Pierre Gasly do well. Obviously, it's his home French Grand Prix I've, I've talked about earlier. Um, you know, how, how much I like him and he's obviously in uh, in good form with that podium last time out so hoping that he does quite quite well and Esteban Ocon as well although I'm not particularly his biggest fan hopefully um, he does alright as well so yeah um, 
to all of you listening, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully um, you've enjoyed this episode a bit more than you're going to enjoy the French Grand Prix um, on sun- Sunday afternoon. Let's hope we actually get a decent one. Who knows? You never know. We can dream. Um, but yeah, thank you very much uh, to Callum and Callum for, for joining me. Um, thank you to you for listening or watching or whatever you're doing. Um, please make sure, if you haven't already, that you hit the like button if you're on YouTube, um, if you're on Apple Podcasts or whatever, uh, Spotify, give us a subscription, uh, leave us a review if you can and, and all that kind of good stuff. Check out all the work that's going to be on fable.com at the weekend as well uh, for both your Formula One and why not the Euros as well because there'll definitely be some stuff on there for that. Um, so yeah, like I said, thanks very much for listening. Um, we'll be back next week already uh, ahead of Austria and then uh, Austria again. Um, so yeah, Austria doubleheader coming your way after the French Grand Prix. We've just got to get through it. It'll be fine. Um, thanks very much again for listening. Until next time, we'll see you all later. Bye-bye.